0: Welcome to Multifamily Live. I'm Kaylee Aroussi. And I'm Jason Aroussi. Our mission is to help you unlock your full potential as a multifamily real estate investor.
1: So you can do more deals, bigger deals, with less stress, keep more profit, and free up your time.
0: Multifamily doesn't have to be a mystery. It's time to go live.
1: Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Mothers of Multifamily. As I told you before, my next guest is an amazing mama. So I want you to welcome to Mothers of Multifamily, Jennifer Grimson. Welcome, Jen. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So excited to have you here. So mama, grandmama, mm-hmm. how do you do it all? <laughs> how do you do the motherhood, the grandmotherhood, the all the things and still have such an amazing background in real estate. How do you do it?
2: Um, You know, one thing about moms, about women, women in general, is we know how to multitask, that's for sure. Uh, I think we're born with the ability to multitask. Uh, So I think that definitely has played into it. You know, as my kids grew up, they saw me, I was a single mom from the time they were one and three. So they saw me work jobs, have my entrepreneurship on the side, make my real estate investments. They saw the highs and the lows and however that affected them. My daughter is now a serial entrepreneur. So I know how it affected her, right? Right. And uh, she also became a very young mother, which is why I became a grandmother at 47. Yay! Um, (laughs) But uh, she's making her way. And I think, you know, it's funny because I know you're in the throes of it. You're just, your kids are so little, you're just all in it, which is amazing. But this point in our lives, and I'm a newlywed, I've only been married for two and a half years to my husband, um, is so great because we have the wisdom we have the time uh we're young enough to really enjoy these little grandbabies and it's when it's only 20 years between the last time you had a kid and the time that your kid you know your grandkids are here it's like riding a bike like you you have all those great parenting tools and it's still there so we really are enjoying it and honestly our real estate ventures we both were investors before we met we are investing now together and are continuing to expand. And we just, thank God we have like, you know, the time and the ability. And I also think with age, like I'm not afraid to ask pretty much any question of anybody ever. I love
1: that. I love, I want to, I want to dive into that, that no fear mentality. Do you think that comes with maturity i'm not gonna say age i'm gonna say maturity of knowing the steps that you need to take where does that come from where does that no fear come from
2: well i think a couple of things um one is uh if you've ever had your ass handed to you which i have had more than one time right and i think it's a very valuable lesson i have i find it really hard to identify with people who have never struggled at all um because you know having whatever it is, in whatever way, whether it's work or family or marriage or whatever it is, but having to be humbled to the point where you literally are like on your knees trying to figure out what your next step is, is a very humbling um, experience. And it also teaches you, at least it taught me, you know, what do I have to be afraid of? Like, I, I don't really have anything to fear. Everything everything that could go wrong did go wrong and I survived, so it'll be Okay. And then the second part of that is I did spend 25 years in sales. And so you learn to eat rejection for breakfast. And that is a good uh, lesson. I think a sales career is the closest to entrepreneurship you will get if you aren't able to be an entrepreneur. I always encourage people to get into sales because you learn so much about it. So I, I, I think those things are really important in, in kind of removing the fear factor. I still get afraid. I still get nervous, but I just get through it.
1: Fear is healthy, but I love what you said about eating, eating rejection for breakfast. It's those life lessons that teach us that rejection is going to happen. You can't let it close the door on you. You just either throw that door wide open and you go look for another door. But I really want to dive into like life lessons. So can you give us one life lesson for those of us that might just be starting or some of the younger entrepreneurs or some of the younger mamas out there who are just like, I don't know if I can do this, especially for our single mamas. I was just asked about that. My mom was a single mama and I was just asked about that. Like how, how do they, or how can I start when I have so much pitted up against me?
2: Yeah, it is very hard. And I don't want to under, Underplay that at all. I have a saying that I say: if you want to, if you want to make five bucks out of a nickel, ask a single mother. Mm-hmm. So I, I think you cannot be. And listen, I'm not ever going to promote it. I would never say, you know, go out and be a single mom. There are moms who who choose that, and that's fine. It is hard, and it's it's hard too. There are a lot of folks that are in relationships, but that person isn't a true partner. Like I, I didn't find a partner until I met my husband um, this husband who I've only been married to for two and a half years. And part of that is we both were the providers in our families. We both were the, you know, the decision makers and the alphas, et cetera, in our families. So we have all of that in common. Um, but I think if you're getting started and you're a single mom, I think back on myself and the, just my, my, my journey, my financial journey is that I lost everything twice. So it put me in a position of just being so scared all the time. But once I got on my feet, just just, and when I say on my feet, I mean just really getting a job. I'm not even talking about having any assets or doing anything. When I decided the second time that a job wasn't going to cut it, I was going to keep my job because I had to have insurance and I had to provide for the kids, but it wasn't going to cut it when I needed stability. And at that time, I was 41 years old. So it's not like I was 20. And the first thing that I did was to get in the right pool. Right? Just be swimming in the right pool. If you're hanging out with folks who don't speak entrepreneur or don't speak risk or don't understand real estate, you're in the wrong pool. So I joined the real estate investor groups of, of Nashville, which is this great group. And for the first, and certainly when I first started going, uh, it was like listening to a foreign language. I didn't understand any of it exactly, mind blown. Um, but Quick, I was just so excited by it and I felt like I'd found my tribe because there were mostly it was mostly men, there were some women, but it really was like every walk of life, every color, every age, um, in different ways. Because real estate doesn't you don't necessarily have to own a building to be in real estate. You can do a million other things, and because my show is called Micro Empires, because For me, I could not take big risks and I still don't. I take micro risks. So I needed something that I could start small and make sure I wasn't putting the whole farm in because I had other people that I really needed to think about. So that would be my thing is just get yourself surrounded by the right tribe. Let's talk a little
1: bit about micro empires. I'm so excited about that show. How did you build it? What does it stand for? and What are you hoping that your audience takes from micro empires?
2: Well, the goal of the podcast was because my story is that I lost everything twice and had to rebuild. Um, And the second time I built $1.4 million in income producing investments. And this is after when I say lost everything, no car, no job, no place to live, no money um, and chapter 13 bankruptcy twice. So it, it was no small feat to build that again. I wanted to be able to tell my story, uh, but more importantly, what I learned in the process of rebuilding was that there were all of these secrets, and I'm using my finger quotes, (laughs) you know, for the wealthy. They weren't weren't really secrets, but I didn't know about them, and I I consider myself a very smart person. I didn't know I could borrow against my 401k to pay debt. I borrowed against a 401k to buy houses. I didn't know I could move in for 3% down. You know, I didn't know that I could take a 401k and turn it into self-directed IRA, which allowed me to buy other property and invest in companies. I mean, right. I know when, when those doors open. Right. And even just one of those tools was life-changing. And once I realized that that's where the asking comes in, right. I just kept realizing, like, if I just keep asking, I'm going to keep finding. I just found something because we're multifamily investors as well. I found something the other day I never knew of called the um, deferred sales trust. Have you heard of that one? No. Mind blowing because we're doing 1031 Uh exchanges. Um, The deferred sales trust allows you to go ahead and liquidate without taking the capital gains. It's complicated. I won't get into it because I'm not a specialist. That's why I call (laughs) it a micro empire because I just put my toe in the water. And then I let, but it's been mind blowing for us and our other investors in our joint venture um, and here we all are, experienced investors, and none of us knew about it. So the goal of the show really is not just real estate, but really what I needed was tactical steps. I didn't need someone to tell me, live your best dream, follow your heart, quit your jet like that crap. I didn't need that. <laughs> I needed someone to say, Jennifer, put everything you can into a 401k because then you can move it into this, you know. Take step one, take step two. So I interview people and talk about, you know, their money culture, because that is a big thing to do, you know, how you feel about it, because that ties into risk. And then I, I try to have people walk away with at least one tactical thing they can do from each episode
1: talk about money culture for a little bit, because every time, and it still happens to me, that was a mindset shift that I had to make a long time ago about money, that I was deserving to make money, to spend money, to allow my money to grow and to keep track of it. There's so many people out there, men and women, who don't have that mindset, who think that, oh, I, I make a paycheck, I put the paycheck in the bank And I use my checkbook or my ATM card and I buy things or I pay for my mortgage and that's that. And that's fine. But knowing that there's more, Mm -hmm. talk a little bit to that. Talk about a little bit of that money mindset and how you can step forward into a greater one. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. So the first question I ask every guest is to tell me about your, your money culture growing up. So uh, we're all formed in a home of some kind and however you were raised around money. Um, and it's so interesting to me because I, I could interview somebody who grew up very, very poor, and therefore the effect was they were scared all the time um, and and learned it sort of had this mindset of, of you know, not having enough. Mm-hmm. And I could interview someone who grew up very, very poor, and they came out of it going, you know, it taught me not to be afraid because, I'd survive it, which is just blew my mind. But that was important for me to understand because I don't think that my story is unique, although I kept my story a secret for many years because there's a ton of shame and there's so much shame around money. It's included in one of the three things you're not supposed to talk about money, politics, and religion, and I don't get it but i grew up in a in a family that was very conservative about money so i kind of grew up like you don't carry credit card debt and you don't really take risk and you you know stay in your job and 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 you know grateful for those lessons so my family or some people not all of them but in my family they look at me as this wild like crazy risk taker and and i'm not um it also I realized that my relationship with money, although my personal one is most, has been mostly fear-based, it doesn't define who I am as a person. And that was so freeing because when I ask folks, even very wealthy people and people who don't have a lot of money, you know, about their money culture. And I really say, you know, well, is it important to you to have, you know, a really nice car and, and expensive clothes, et cetera, et cetera. Is that important to you? If it is, that's fine. But in knowing that, like you say, you know, knowing it, understanding, and I do the same thing. When I talk to people, many of them can't tell me how much they owe on their mortgage, how much they have in a 401k, how much they have in savings, how much debt they have. Um, And so kind of understanding that and understanding that that culture changes, because then if you leave your home and you go off and you get married and you marry somebody who has a totally different money culture... It's a high probability of at the very least high conflict, and and I married into my first marriage was was defined by um, chaos, just money chaos, and uh, it it was crazy making for me. And it's it's having that
1: conversation though, because if you don't have that conversation with yourself first, and you don't understand your finances first, then whatever significant other you have, especially if you get married to them, because now you're tied financially. Mm -hmm. Then that, like you said, that just breeds conflict. So I'm sure as well as myself can understand sort of what that felt like. And then it sounds like your relationship now, you've had that conversation with yourself. You're more stable in your head. So for any of the mamas, women, papas, men, and everybody in between who's listening to this, have that conversation with yourself. Take a look at your, you know what? You don't want to hear it from me, Jennifer. Jennifer. What can people do right now if they have this money mindset of of like, I don't, I just don't. In fact, I want you to talk to me about 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't want to look. I just don't want to know what's the first steps that they can take to have a better mindset about money.
2: Was that you 10 years ago? Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. So I think that's really common. I think if that's what you're struggling with right now, probably the most important thing is literally to, to share it because I don't want to look, I don't want to know has a lot to do with shame. Mm -hmm. Um, what you, what you've done, what terrible thing you've done, you've put on the credit card, whatever it is. And so, yeah. And I, I help people with this a lot too, but I mean, it could be anybody. You just need to call someone and start saying it out loud because the reality is, I mean, if we just look at the statistics, Majority of Americans can't handle a $400 emergency. The majority of Americans do not have any retirement savings. So I don't care if they're driving Mercedes and living in big houses. I know and we know really what's going on. But there's part of that culture of maintaining the facade. But I would say, find somebody you trust and call them up and say, "I'm. this is something I've been struggling with and I need whether it's accountability or not, but just the ability to really sit down and go through all of that. So I just helped a woman through this exactly where when I met her, she's like, I'm poor. I've got an old divorce hanging over my head with debt. I've got the IRS barking up my, I don't even know, I haven't looked. I don't answer the calls, the collectors. And I said, we're just going to start going through it and literally gave her homework and day after day. And the reality was it wasn't as bad as she thought it was. The reality was once she asked for what she needed from whether it was places that she owed money to or whatever, she basically was able to negotiate the most of it away. And then she ended up having a lot more money and saving a lot more money. And now she's, um, you know, she ended up having like $30,000 in a bank account by the end, which is, you know, I mean, that's her individual story, but a lot of it was just fear and shame. A lot of shame. Around money.
1: That's amazing. And before I let you go, I want to actually have you touch on that,
2: the fear and the shame
1: of not knowing all about money, not knowing that all you have to do is really ask for help. What's one like actionable step, you know, within the calling somebody up, like how but some people can't even get to that point. Yeah. What's one actionable step that a person can do within themselves without really reaching out? What's that first step that they need to take before they take that amazing step of actually asking?
2: Well, you're talking to me about this and I'm just thinking about what's in my uh what's in my I'm pulling out a card here. So one thing that they can do is uh, I call it acting as if. It's a little different than fake it till you make it. But when I went to the investors' group. The first time I went, uh, I went to a smaller meeting, then I went to a bigger meeting. At the smaller meeting, everybody got up, 60 people got up and one at a time introduced themselves, what they were doing, what assets they had, what they were looking for. And I mean, I was the only one who was like, I own a house. You know, I, I had managed to buy a house at that point, which is, as I was driving to the meeting, I was thinking, I am an investor, I own a house, I am an investor, I own a house. So I'm just telling myself, telling myself, telling myself, which is true. So I think it's the act as if. So the second meeting I showed up to, I printed cards. (laughs) This is I have a business card in my hand. And all it says is my name. And it says investor, entrepreneur, and artist. And that was it. And there's something about that. I think living as if. It's the same thing when I became an artist. I just decided I stopped telling people I'm in corporate sales. And I started saying I'm an artist. It's a true statement. Um I didn't say I was an artist making millions of dollars I didn't say I was famous I just said I was an artist so I do think acting as if and keep in mind especially around money there's sort of this divide like hire a financial expert which you may do or a financial advisor or whatever but it's this not notion that there's this elite group of people who've been highly understand money that is true but then there's the rest of us and it's not rocket science It does take time and to keep asking questions, but it's the key to to freedom, in my opinion.
1: I love it. Thank you so much for so much value. I mean, all the value you gave to us just talking about money. Thank you so much. I could have heard this 10 years ago. But for all my ladies and gents that are listening to this, especially my mamas who are listening to this, please, please, please take that step forward. I mean, you know, if if you follow me, I talk about taking the step forward all the time. But this is something that I don't, I still have a hard time talking about. But in money, that's like the root of so many of the arguments within, without, and the shame that comes with it. Take that step forward. So, how can my listeners take that step forward with you? How can they contact you? How can they follow you and find you, Jennifer?
2: Uh, my website is www.micro-empires.com. You could find my uh, podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you listen to it on Apple, I sure would appreciate a rate and review. Of course, um, I am on all the socials, either in my name or Micro Empires, and I also give away a, a free ebook on my site, and it's really about pivoting and thriving through any crisis, and it helps sort of it's it's really simple. You can fill it out online. And if you do, then I get a copy of it and I will respond back to you with details about what I think. If you don't, no worries, download it, keep it, whatever you want to do, but um, that's how they can reach me. And I love hearing from people. So I absolutely would love to hear from your listeners.
1: Fantastic. So listeners, if you need help right now, contact Jennifer, she might be the solution you need. So, everyone, Jennifer, thank you so very much for coming on. I am so grateful. And to all of my listeners, I am so grateful to you as well. Thank you so much for listening, and I will talk to you later. Bye That's now. Great. Thanks.
0: Want to learn exactly how we're finding high profit, cash flow ready multifamily properties off market? Want to find out how to run lightning-fast syndications to raise all the capital you need for your next multi-million dollar deal in just a few days?
1: We are breaking down our entire process step-by-step at a three-day event happening June 10th through the 12th called, you guessed it multi-family
2: live.
0: We've done events before, but nothing this massive or this valuable. And for the first time ever, we're going to open the doors and walk you guys through literally every step of what we're doing on our multi-family deals.
1: This is a virtual event, so you don't have to travel or even leave your couch, but spots are limited. Sign up at multifamilyliveevent.com and we'll see you there.